So I'd never really thought about this before, but I'm I'm realizing that the weather has a lot to do with my productivity. Because hmm. like over the summer, it's like I get up. Uh, I didn't have to get up as early, I guess, because the kids weren't going into school. Maybe that's part of it. But anyway, I get up, go run, come back, shower. I'm like good to go for you know doing getting stuff done before the guys get here. And now I wake up and it's dark, and I get the kids off to school, and it's still dark. And you go back to bed. And it's cold, and it's raining, so I go back to bed, and then I wake up like 15 minutes before we record the podcast. <laughs> so, so you're running in your sleep, is what you're saying? Uh, yeah, let's go with that. I run in my sleep every morning. It's amazing. You wake up yeah. feeling refreshed. Yeah, You look good. Breath. So weird. Thank you. I got just got on. one of those weighted blankets. I haven't even used it yet. What is it oh. weighted? Oh, what is it? Something you, you Is that for exercising or for sleeping hard? Sleeping hard. It's a it's a fifteen pound blanket, so it just feels like huh. apparently because I haven't used it yet. I just got it yesterday, thanks to Camera Dan. He gifted it to me, but it's something I've been, I've been looking into. But it's it's a thing that helps you sleep. I don't know. He he uh, compared it to you know when you pick up the cat by by its scruff or you just hold the cat by its scruff and it just totally becomes immobile and can't move he's yeah. like when he told me it's like when i had that blanket on i'm just immobile and can't move and just feel loved so huh it's like a thunder Crazy. shirt for for an adult a thunder shirt for for human actually <laughs> for an adult. you know what a, you know what a thunder shirt is i don't it's like the blanket it but for animals so like when they if they get scared of thunder or like oh stuff, oh okay like dogs yeah they'll put this little shirt thing on them to call them uh, yeah it's like yeah, a it's like, like a it's like a neoprene I, I I can I don't have one but I can imagine it looks like a neoprene so they look like Burt Reynolds in Deliverance it's like a neoprene uh, like yeah scuba diving I need, jacket I need a comment shirt something that just cuddles me when I'm reading comments sometimes but I was just uh, before we started. I was just oh, quickly. Man. <laughs> that would be really awesome. Sorry, I just got a, a picture of like some some YouTube um, like merch provider out there is like, oh wait, we could sell mint blankets, Comments. shirts, or whatever. That's what, the, that's what the heavy blanket sounds like. No, I was just uh, just before we started, I kind of got wrapped up in Instagram for a split second because I started seeing. Now I don't know who this is. There's there's a, a in, uh, somebody posting that only has 200 followers. I don't know who they are. But they're posting pictures in, from this event that I was at. Well, actually, we were at this big event and we were at the Good of the Land Fest where there was hundreds of people. But then there was like a group of like six of us at Andrew's shop for the last day and a half. And somebody's posting pictures from that event that wasn't there. So I'm like, what? who is this? I don't remember this person being there. And I think it's one of those scam accounts that just kind of siphons images off of people they like. And huh. there's images of us hanging out at this event but at Andrew's shop. Andrew Alexander, Blacksmith Tools. There's like four or five pictures from his shop from somebody who I don't know. And I was just quickly looking at it, kind of confused. Like, I don't remember this person, but I think it's just hmm. one of those. They do it a lot with machinists and blacksmiths. They must do it with woodworkers too, but those are the ones I've seen the most is where they, they pop up a fake account and then they just steal pictures from all of us, like like all the people that know each other. It's really strange. Uh, I've, a lot of my pictures have been taken and put up there as if, and then the captions underneath them are like, Hey, just moving another machine today. This is what I love. You know, it's like, I don't know who they are and what their motivation is, but huh. it's a yeah, I don't understand the motivation with stuff like that. I mean, if, if it led to like some sort of a selling 
thing at the end. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're trying to build up followers and then in a couple of weeks they'll post like a, hey, we sell blacksmithing, you know, thunder blankets or whatever. I don't know. But it seems like a weird <laughs> motivation to just like create an account, steal pictures. It's like a lot of work for nothing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. As I'm looking, I'm like, and the guy's making comments about me. I'm like, who is this guy? You know, I never look at the heart section under Instagram all that much. I just kind of go through the feed. But every once in a while, I look at the heart section and I start to see like various pointed comments where I'm mentioned. Nothing bad, but that's how I found that one. So. You could always start leaving comments on his pictures that you stolen and be like, hey, this picture was taken right before you accidentally threw up on all the people in the room, or this one's right before you wrecked your car into that thing. <laughs> just like, well, you know, to get him to respond. I'm just looking through the heart thing again. You know, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I was reading. No, thanks. Awesome. <laughs> okay, I think but we're done here. Look at and this picture. Cut. This is this is amazing. <laughs> look at this picture. You see, there's like maybe eight people sitting on eight benches. Each one of those yeah. benches is the same one that I made in my in my welding bench video a few years ago. Is a welding class where they all made the same product, which is based on my my welding bench. You know, my my park huh. bench that I made. Very cool. It's amazing. So that's it. I'll, I'll put Instagram down now, and I'll begin to talk with you guys. <laughs> hey, yeah, you want to hit record? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so you went to the good of the good of the land. He's like, uh, <laughs> that was so yeah, weird. Hang on. Yeah. I'm up, putting guys? it down. Here I am. I put my phone down. I'm sorry. I think Jimmy needs a timeout. David, what have you been doing? <laughs> oh man, so uh, we made we remade our wedding rings this week. Um, mm. They're almost done. Every year, nice. Kelly and I retire the old rings and and make new ones. And then uh, the idea came from uh, a, a few times I've used the the purchase inlay banding that you would get from like a woodcraft or, or a rockler. And I'm like, one of these days I'm going to start making my own. And then I was like, well, what if I made my own, but also use that to make the rings and wrap that around copper. So that's, uh, that's what we did. So we shot two videos yesterday of doing various inlay banding and then also made our, our new wedding rings. So really happy with that. And Let's see. Oh, I got my my races in a couple days on Sunday. So looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it for two reasons. One, I'm super excited to do the first race. And and I'm also excited for the race to be over with so I can tear apart the cart, (laughs) get the measurements, start drawing up the the new chassis and and working on it on that over the winter. So awesome. Yeah. That's, That's cool. funny. I'm, I'm looking forward to this thing, so it will be over with. It's weird, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> um, but because I, I'm I'm now in racing, but I'm also still in the making stuff, so I, I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to that. So. That's kind of neat that it has a season to give you that time to you know rebuild or to modify yeah. or whatever in between. I suppose because I'm also kind of bummed that I'm getting into it right when the last race is starting. But but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you uh, too much of of one thing, and you, you get bored of it. Like I'm not a NASCAR follower, but I noticed NASCAR's still going on right now. Like they have the the NASCAR playoffs, and hmm. they don't have much of an off season. It appears because the first race is in February. The Daytona 500 is always in February. They get like a month off, and then they start back up. Doesn't that get old to people who like NASCAR? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't. I don't Dave, know. could you just one? Could you describe what the race is going to be? Is it going to be like fifty go karts or three or so, two against two? 
Yeah, so last year there was 54 carts that entered, and this year they were expecting a little bit more, so maybe 60. And so you you get there, there's there's hot laps, which is just basically practice. You can go out a couple times and, and try to figure out your setup real quick. And then everybody qualifies, and then that qualification uh, determines where you start in each race throughout the day. So then there are heat races, and they take the top so many from each heat race to, to advance to the feature. If you don't make the feature through the heat race, you get a last chance in what's called the B main. And sometimes when there's so many carts, they actually have a C main, so like two last chance races. And then and then they have the feature. This'll, so it starts at 10 a.m. and it has to be done by dark, but it'll, it'll go to like 5.30. Well, that's all. And you might be in each one of the races if you keep winning and winning. Well, um, if you... Uh, if you advance through the heat race, then your next race will be the the feature, the A main at the end of the day. So um, if you don't advance through the heat races, then you might race in the in the B main and then and then in the feature. Yeah, they can only it's a really, really small track and they can only um, I'm getting disc full messages popping up on my screen. Um so I just totally lost my, my train of thought. But uh, yeah, you can only have 15 carts on the track at a time. So it kind of oh, stinks wow. that 60 carts are going to show up and only 15 are in the feature. But that's how it is. Mm. That's pretty crazy. I'm thinking about how I'm, if I do this thing in May, how we would do it. I suppose it would only be one at a time and then two at a time. Maybe three, maybe four at a time, the most. So i got to figure you, out how we do that. Y- I mean, you mentioned just to keeping it safe and fun is just doing doing qualifying, right? Yeah, I mean, we could maybe we could do two and three at a time just for the fun of it, just you know. Or no, have drag no races, standard. quote unquote. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We'll figure it out as we get closer. Yeah. But I cool. just got back from uh, the Good of the Land Fest, which was a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of new people and a lot of old people, older older friends, and new, made a lot of new friends. And that was in Temple, Texas. And I met up with Eric from Hansel Rescue, and we, we met up at the airport, and we drove down together. We met up with Andrew Alexander from Blacksmith Tools, and we went over there. And it was a lot of fun. I I do what, I, what I've really been loving, loving doing, and if anybody's listening to this and they want to hire me to basically make balloon animals, but on the bandsaw, I really, I really want to turn that into something <laughs> somehow, some way. Uh, I just stood at the bandsaw. They set up a bandsaw for me. Will, Will, thank you very much. Will from JK Canvas, who's a patron of ours. He, he hooked me up with his bandsaw. I brought it over there. And oh, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's very kind. Will, thank you very much. And... Uh, we, I stood at the bandsaw and just cut things out all day long, mostly, <clears throat> mostly knives and swords. <laughs> I was making swords in the beginning of the weekend because I had a lot of wood. And then as the wood got, the wood supply got smaller and smaller, the knives got smaller and smaller. And there was a couple of guys blacksmithing knives and stuff. So the kids came over to me and they wanted me to, to rough cut them out knives and uh not too many letters people just wanted knives and at one point i look up and there's like eight kids and they're like i want a knife i want a sword i want a knife i want a sword little girls too they're all like i want a sword and i looked and i'm like okay you're all in line you you're first because every time i like finish one i just hand it to the kid who's closest to me and then all of a sudden i get groans from like eight people they're like hey i was in line what's up i'm like i I don't i got my head down i don't know where the line begins and ends and so i was like i said okay from from left to right 
I'm going to start handing them out. And then I had to go into like full on production mode. I was just freestyling every <laughs> single piece of scrap what I grabbed. And then I had to actually like make a pattern. And I drew the pattern about 15 times, cut out each one of them. And then I just, as I finished them, I was just handing them off the bad so to the kids standing there. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's funny. It, it was fun. It was like, <clears throat> I love the pressure of like people standing there and like forcing me to, to live up to the challenge. It's, it's a good way to get, it's a, it's a way to get good at something. <laughs> when there's 10 people standing there watching you waiting for their sword or their, their knife. And it was fun. I was just freestyling up various shapes of knives, like a K-bar is like the knife that the U.S. Marines use. And I was just doing some like kind of sexy hunting knives that you would see a lot of, you know, new knife makers make. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I was making this big pirate sword, which is what I, I used up most of the wood for. And uh, it was good. I had a really good time. And uh, that's something I would like to do more often. It's fun to go to these events and actually have something like that to do because it's productive and the kids really like it. And the adults stand there mesmerized. So it's fun. And it's fun for me because I'm totally satiated. I'm sitting there having fun on the bandsaw, not talking to anybody, completely like playing like a little kid. And I love Mm -hmm. it. So everybody in the area is happy, including me. (laughs) When we were at uh, Louisville Maker Fair, you were doing that on the big, uh, one of your big ones. Big bandsaws. And we, at the end of the day, came up, me and all my kids, and we're talking to you. And there were like some leftover letters laying on the table that you had cut throughout the day and everything. And so they started piecing together their names. And obviously, there's four of them. And this was a lot of letters. And so they didn't have everything they needed. And you immediately just like fired the thing up, grabbed some two by fours and started cutting letters. And they loved it, and they still have those things. It's Thank you. Cool. It's fun. It's really fun for kids. I mean, I saw so many kids, and even a few parents came to me, and they're like, is this a dangerous tool? Should I get one of these for my kids? I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, of course it's dangerous, but, <clears throat> you know, it's definitely, it's how I learned. It's, I mean, I've been using the bandsaw since I was about seven or eight years old. And you have most of your fingers left. I still, I mean, I've cut my fingertips several times, and not, the only ones I've cut completely off have been on other, other tools, never completely off on the bandsaw. But... <laughs> That's amazing. That makes it safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to be to be totally honest, I have all my fingertips. I'm missing half of my pinky, and then that same pinky was cut off and reattached, so that's fine. And then uh, I'm missing half of my pointer finger tip. Then I broke that on glass, but my my I lost half my pinky on a joiner the very end. But that's the same one that got damaged on the table saw. So that pinky is down for the count, but it's still there. And. Uh, the bandsaw is you just gotta you just gotta watch yourself on the bandsaw. It's a lot safer than the table saw. But that yeah. was good. And then then we drove up and spent a day and a half at Andrew's workshop. Andrew has a big facility where he has all his antique power hammers and his antique collection. He's he's one of the biggest collections of anvils in the entire world. And then a lot of people, <clears throat> Bob, including you and a couple of people, are like, pick me up an anvil, buy me an anvil, buy me an anvil. But then I got off and I spoke to Andrew and he basically doesn't want to sell anything. He doesn't sell anything. He just collects them. He does sell things through his Instagram, but every once in a while he'll pick one and put it on his Instagram. And he put one up last night, but it's very expensive. Usually they they range from as much as 20,000 down to like a thousand for an anvil. But wow, I will promote Mount Phillips Metalworks, my friend Chris Cash, he, he he is exclusively in the business of buying and selling anvils and vices. Andrew, not so much. Andrew just is a huge collector. Andrew deals in the, the bigger pieces of equipment, mostly power hammers and, and bigger pieces of electrical equipment. Not to say that occasionally he will sell a vice or he will sell a, an anvil, but he's, he's, he pretty much holds on to everything. He needs to sit with it for a few months and then he'll decide to sell it. But hmm. 
that being said, we had a really nice time and he powered up a couple of different power hammers for me and Jason from Fireball Tools was there and A-Bomb 79 was there and Eric Cancel Rescue. So it was a nice power and a couple of other guys were hanging out. We had a really nice, really nice hangout and making fun stuff. And that's it. And then because when we first got there, we didn't have really a plan. And so me and Eric just started playing with an old drill press in the yard because he's got this big open yard. It's kind of like an organized junkyard. And we went and we just, we started, I would I don't want to say restoring, but restoring the movement to an old drill press that probably hadn't moved in 20 years. And with oil, penetrating oil, pliers, brass hammers, we tapped it and got the whole thing moving again. And that was funny. I just I looked at like Eric and I was just like, this is the silly stuff that keeps us excited. Making things <laughs> that slide inside of other things move. And that's it. That's like when you reduce it down to like what is restoration? Just making parts that are supposed to slide on each other slide on each other again. And occasionally you paint that. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was a great couple of days and I've been out for so long. I really have a lot to do today, tomorrow, and the next day. And then Monday I go to SEMA in Vegas for SEMA, which is a big giant show for automobile industry, making and fabricating cars and frames and engines and stuff. So that'll be interesting. I'm going there representing Cargo Glide. And my brother will be with me. So if anybody is in the Vegas area, maybe we'll have a Vegas hangout somewhere. Because we are only working until nice. 6 o'clock every day. And we'll be there for three days. So Sweet. Yeah. That's so. awesome. Yeah, that, the festival that you went to looked like a lot of fun. It looked like a really cool collection of stuff to get to check out. Kind of oh, like yeah. a... It was. It looked like, at a distance, kind of like Maker Faire, but rusty and yeah. more metal yeah <laughs> you know like a little more like uh maybe make your fare from a hundred years ago or something yeah. is you know, <laughs> yeah it seemed like was the main was the main uh uh, uh sponsor of the event and so there, a lot of rusty things were becoming unrusty because they kept doing demos hmm. and then uh i met liam hoffman for the first time we've talked several times over the years but we never met in person watched liam work a lot which was really cool to watch him work on the, the power hammer and then also the anvil and there was casting uh, a guy named Clark was casting and and uh, got to hang out with Clark and he taught me a lot about casting. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch his final pour because we had to go. We were we were running late to get back to Dallas, and it was uh, it was just a great experience. And there were so many sweet people that came up to me and just told me how much this podcast means to them and our other podcast and and you know just what we do in general. So it's it's reaffirming that you know we're doing we're doing good work for good people. So it's very nice. Cool, excellent. Um, well, for me, I kind of uh, we're not doing a video this week. A couple weeks ago, I just decided <gasps> like looking ahead at the schedule. I know it's terrible, right? I, I just like looked ahead at the schedule and I'm like, you know what? what? I need what? I need a break. We need what? to slow what down on the do? the stuff. What <laughs> <laughs> uh you know just uh, there's like bigger projects i want to do stuff that i've talked about in the past like it just takes longer and the only one holding the only person holding me to a schedule is me so i'm just trying to let myself off the hook there and so this week we took the week off and did a project last week that i can't talk about yet uh because it's it won't be out for a while this collaboration and then i did another one that's we're almost done with that should be out next week hopefully and it's turned out to be pretty cool. But so not a whole lot to talk about, except I just took the week off. Hmm. Well, 
we're not putting a video out, but I definitely did not take the week off. We've been working pretty hard. Can we talk um, more about the secret stuff in the after show or the after after show? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we can do it in the after show. Um, so a couple weeks ago, remember I mentioned the Bridgeport? Yeah. Yeah. Mentioned wanting a Bridgeport and like actively wanting one. A few people have sent me links to different ones. There was one in Dayton. Um, and actually there was another guy and I don't have his name handy, but he's in Dayton and he's a machinist and he was offering if I found one in that area to go check it out for me and to like, you know, look at, make sure that it was the quality that they said it was and all that type of stuff, which was really cool of him. So it was, you know, somebody with some expertise willing to go kind of verify stuff. Um, but a couple days ago, yesterday, yeah, I guess it was yesterday, Sean Scott sent me one in Louisville, just up the road, and it was an auction. Started looking at it. It's, like, in pretty good shape, and he <gasps> kind of checked it out. Well, not yet. Not yet. But I bid on it. It was at a th- started at $1,000, so I bid on it. And after a couple hours, I got outbid, but it's at like $1,500. So I just stopped there. The auction ends in three hours. Mm. And so I'm waiting. I'm going to try to get it right there at the end. I sent Jimmy a picture of it yesterday and uh, said, what do you think about this one? Like, what's the value and all that stuff? And uh, You know what the good thing about that one, too? And you'll notice this. My my bridge port is from about 5960, somewhere around that, like 60, 61. And it has belts that you have to take off and put back on, just like a drill press, you know, like the way you would change mm. the speed on a drill press. The one you're getting is newer, and it has the, the crank. And there, it, it cranks a pulley that is like a V-pulley that's on a on a spring. So the pulley will open up and close, which would change the the gear ratio. Uh, hmm. So if you want to speed yours up, you just crank it up, and it tells you the RPMs. And if you want to slow it down, you just unwind it and slow it down, as opposed to having to shut the machine completely down and <clears throat> and then change the pulleys. Interesting. So it's okay. it's a good, it's a very good machine uh, for a number of reasons. Also, the fact that it's in very good shape, and also the fact that it has a digital readout, which is also very pricey if you had to install it. Like what Kevin and I are looking to put a DRO on mine, and you, know, you could pay as much as five hundred or a thousand bucks for a real good one digital readout and that comes in real handy when you're trying to find mm. the center of something I, my, with my limited experience I didn't think I needed it but as my experience develops I'm starting to realize oh where is the middle of this I don't know I used to just guess or I'd scratch scratch it into some blue paint and then just guess but as you develop your skills you want to really be in the center of something and really be down the, the ridge of a pipe for instance if you're going to put a slot for a keyway or whatever so having the DRO really helps. Yeah. um, From the listing, it says it has a new DRO and a new power feed. So it, I don't know. It looks like a pretty good machine and the cost is still pretty low. It's at 1500 bucks right now. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to give it a shot. I'm also, if it doesn't work out, whatever. Yeah. There'll always be another one, but we were talking, me and uh, Jason from Fireball Tools. He, He picked up some stuff from Andrew. I bought a few tools from Andrew while we were there. It was like shopping in a kid's candy store where you just walk around and you go, oh, this is, I mean, I can actually buy this right now. And Andrew's like, yeah, I'll ship it to you. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll take that. And uh, because it's PayPal money, it's like not real money. So it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that it's like, how much works? money do I have shoved under the end of my playboard? You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's just play money. Here you take it. <laughs> but Jason was on the fence about something. I think he was. I don't know. I just said, I go, if I can help in any way, 
the way I look at it is if you're going to take this machine and restore it, or if you're going to take this machine and use it to make something else, the cost of our video production is almost zero. I mean, not really zero, but it's not into the tens of thousands of dollars like a television show. Television show is into the hundreds of thousands per episode. For like a 30-minute TV show that I've been on, production value could be into the quarter of a million dollars. So when we're doing our own production for our own television show on YouTube, if we spend $2,000 for an episode, that's nothing. But it justifies the sickness of being able to buy machines, uh, you know, to satisfy somebody to buy a machine to to satisfy the sickness of needing things that we really don't need. But we do need them (laughs) because we do make things with them. Yeah, kind of. I mean, ever since I kind of mentally committed to this is a thing that I want to... I want to start to seek out and actually have the last two projects that I haven't talked about. There have been points where I've said out loud, well, if I had a mill, I could do it this way, but I didn't. So I had to come up with another solution that was maybe not ideal or not, you know, that worked, yeah. but like with a mill, it'd just be like, pop it in, cut the slot across the thing and you're done. Yeah. Um, you posted on, I think Instagram story. You're like, look at this. I had to make this thing without a mill. Would have been so much easier and yeah. quicker and better and faster. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentally now have the reason for it. You know, I've had enough of those moments where it's like, yes, I can totally justify. I would use it um, maybe not all the time, but I would definitely find uses for it if I had it handy. So what are you going to do if this podcast goes over three hours? Uh, I'm going to tell you guys to hang on and I'll be right back. And (laughs) we can pause. We're not live. I I forgot that we're not live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so that w- I've just been working on a couple of the things that are coming up and trying to kind of prep for the end of the year. Um, nothing, nothing really amazing. I, I noticed, uh, Dave, Dave, you got involved in the tree tree thing. Dave, Bob, did you get involved in the tree thing? I just haven't noticed if you did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We put out a video for team trees and we were looking at it this morning and it, it just passed 8 million trees. Oh, wow. Which That's crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with Elon Musk, who just dropped a million trees yesterday, which was now when people <clears throat> when now if Elon Musk how how did like how does it manifest in trees being in the ground? Is, is he hire people to do it, or, or is he donating to a <coughs> no, fund so, that promises to? So Team Trees is all of the money that goes into this donation is going directly one hundred percent to the Arbor Day Foundation, and that foundation is just about putting trees in the ground. So they have people all over the world that are you know, um, that are planting the right trees in the right environments at the right time of year. So all of these trees will be planted over the next year at the right seasonal point, wherever they're going. Um, but yeah, the Arbor Day Foundation, that's like what they do. They just put trees in the ground. So basically we're just all throwing in money to give them money to do a whole lot of work right. over the next year. So we'll manifest yeah. in trees in the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One dollar right. equals one tree. Oh. Yeah. So if you're, if you haven't been a part of this and you're listening to this, you should definitely go just jump in. Give a dollar, give five bucks, give a million bucks, whatever you got. But the point is, like, everybody across the Internet is trying to band together for a single cause that affects everybody, whether they're on the Internet or not, which I think is super cool. Everything is so divisive these days and so separated and so polar. This is a thing that everybody has a reason to be invested in, and that's awesome. So go do it. Team Trees. Um, you, you, you kind of had a, a topic, Jimmy, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I had a topic. 
kind of der- derived from my weekend um, in one way or another. But I, if if you guys are talking, because we, me and Jason always brainstorm my concepts every time we hang out, and and me and Andrew and Eric, and <clears throat> I came home thinking, like, if if I could ask you guys, if if you could, if you, let's say you had a fantasy situation that could come true, if you could modify any tool in your shop, if they were going to make the David Picciuto x or the bob claggett x or the jimmy DeResta x what would it be and how would you modify it something we use every day so let's mm-hmm. just have a fantasy brainstorm sesh about the table saw like what new things could we bring to the table saw based on our daily experience what new things i have a million ideas for the bandsaw that i could bring to the bandsaw or a hand router or a plane or a screwdriver or anything i mean i figure we just have a little brainstorm sesh maybe we just go around and then we do a couple of rounds if, if you guys had any brainstorm ideas. I've got them. <laughs> Do you want to start? Go I have a few. <laughs> of course, I have a few. I started the conversation. Um, so, uh, and, I, and I've come up with a couple things while, while we're talking here. So I've been, I've been taking notes. But I think this is something that can be done. I think a lot of the things that I want can be done, but they're just maybe not worth the cost. But a bandsaw that auto-tensions and self-centers. I just want, Yo, like, yes. I would, I would love that, and I think mm-hmm. there's so awesome. many people that are intimidated by the bandsaw because they have no idea what the right tension is, and that's a hard thing to describe. It's like trying to describe a color. <laughs> so that's a that's a great idea. That's definitely something that that I've considered thinking about. That and um, a stupid thing. Based on the, I have a million things for the band, so but you go. You know, when it comes to me, I'll talk. You go, you go. Well, that's um, we'll just leave it. Uh, I'll, I'll let everybody else go because that's my thing for the band. So I have other tools as well, but right. maybe um, maybe it auto tensions and it knows the uh, it's measuring that, or maybe like there's a little number pad on there and you put on there like this is the size blade I have. This is you know and and whatever and then it calculates for you and whatever but i think that's that's something that's something that can mm-hmm. be done well i have something to add to the band so i thought about uh you know how you always put the blade on and it falls off the back <laughs> if you guys notice steel cutting bandsaws always have a little lip on the back of the pulley or the back of the wheel i don't know why woodworking bandsaws don't have a a back to the wheel you don't want it to come forward because if hmm. it came forward it would cut whatever that little wall is but the back of the blade can certainly rub on the back of a of an edge there, so, you know. So it, until you crest or center the wheel or or track it properly, while you're going to put it on, why can't it just have a back to the wheel? It's never going to rub against it. It's just there to keep it to assist you in putting the blade on the wheel. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's my that's one of my fantasy things. Um, if we're still talking about the bandsaw, yeah. maybe this. Uh, another auto feature is the the guide bearings. Maybe they auto align as well. Like <laughs> that's that, that would be nice. Because getting the ones underneath the table is such a pain. A lot of times yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's good enough for now. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll 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 tune it up later. You know, it could be good too. Like a set of bearings. Like I don't know. There's no room under that. But imagine, you know, you could have preset settings, which would be like in a car seat. So you could go, okay, I put my eighth inch blade back on and you push. And it goes, yeah. Or if, yeah. or if you had two physical sets of, of bearings in the top and the bottom, you could do a 180. So, okay, I'm putting on my half inch blade. I just flip the guide bearings to 180. And those guide mm-hmm. bearings, if you're going to have something like that, they could be disposable in a way. It's not necessarily a guide bearing. It's just like a guide bushing, you know, 
and you just mm-hmm. flip it to half inch thick blade, or you flip it back to a one eighth inch thick blade. So they're guide bearings that are somewhat disposable or, or consumable in a way. So you don't have spinny wheels and stuff. You just have like maybe, maybe brass or something. I just actually that's something I could actually do. I think <laughs> I'm actually going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, do you remember um, uh, Andrew Klein? He played around with trying to make like a, a smaller blade, like an eighth inch blade or a three three sixteenth inch blade, good for resawing. Where he had that little, um, little little shark's fin behind the blade. Yeah. Actually, like yeah. make the blade wider for cutting yeah. bigger and straighter yeah. pieces. Yeah. And, and we got to get Andrew in on this. Andrew would come up with like we seven do. great we do. concepts that would actually all be usable. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea because I noticed this weekend a lot while I was walking to and from the band. or at least a dre- you know, coming up to it from like turning and coming up to the band. So I kept having to turn it on and off because young kids kept coming over to me to take their pictures with me and, and like shake my hands and stuff. So I was afraid that, and I had the guard all the way up. So every single time, like I was done, I'd shut the bandsaw off and then I'd turn around, grab a piece of wood and then have to like one-handedly turn the bandsaw back on while I was holding a two by four. So I immediately would like the idea of, of just a foot pedal so you could walk up to it Ooh. and turn it on. You know, so you could just like either either a foot switch or a foot pedal that's just pressure sensitive. So when you get off it, it shuts off. Like or a sewing machine. Tap on, tap off. Yeah, something like that. And um, also an auto raising. So if I could, oh, you know what I got this weekend? This is off subject. Andrew, at Andrew's house, we stayed at Andrew's house. He's got three segues for the family. And at any given moment, his wife or either of his two kids or all three of them are just scooting around like they're in space on on segways, but like the good ones that have like the thing that go between your knees, not the ones that all the kids have been using over the years. This is, this is like, and so impulse, I tried it and it was on my Instagram story and I was so excited by it that I bought one. So it's coming today. today you'll see me on my, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm going to be buzzing around. I got it for Taylor and I to play with, but what I was going to say was there's so much intuitive technology these days. Every time I walk up to something, I expected to know what I want from it. So like if I walked up to the bandsaw and I kind of tilted my head back, I would want the the guard, the guide to go up. So if I'm using a big, thick piece of wood, instead of having to hold the piece of wood between my knees and reaching around and adjusting the height of the guide, <laughs> which is what I always do, I thought I could, that gesture, I could see myself doing it a thousand times. Like I walk up to the saw, I hold whatever it is between my knees, I adjust the guide, then I grab it from between my knees and cut. So there's many times, like for instance, this is like intuitive technology where it's probably just around the corner, but I don't know how it could possibly work. So I guess it could work in a certain way. So last night I I I get in my car, I get out of my car and I shut it off and I look back. And for the first time on my Chevy's 1500 there's a red light blinking on my dashboard i'm like i've never seen that before why in my life have i never noticed that there's a red light that blinking right in the middle of my dashboard like like a car with an alarm on but i never noticed it in my car so i'm like maybe that's a warning maybe it's you know reminding me to look at the app maybe there's something so i open the chevy app but i open my phone and i have a thousand apps so i don't know where the chevy app is the way i find apps is i just go to the search bar and I go to the search bar and I immediately want the Chevy app to be there. I want the phone, the situation, the proximity mm. to the car, everything yeah. to know that when I pull down on to get to the search bar on my iPhone, I want like anything that's remotely related to my proximity or my location mm. to be open or available to be open. And so that's the type of thing where it's like, okay, I open it's not I gotta search it and find the Chevy app. 
But like I said, it couldn't know the location of my car. Same thing, walk up to the bandsaw, like if I have on like a proximity switch or even the table saw or the vacuum, thing knows what I want from it because I would only be at it because I had this proximity thing on me. Make sense? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Hey, Alexa, turn on bandsaw <laughs> or raise guide. Yeah. Safety we need like a thing, servo on the guide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, my Laguna has a foot brake and it's awesome because it instantly shuts off the bandsaw and then stops the blade because the and i wish my little bandsaw i wish all bandsaws had it because it's a great safety feature because i read somewhere that most bandsaw injuries happen after you turn the bandsaw off and the and it's winding down and it takes a good 60 seconds to wind down and then you forget that it's on and you smack your hand into it the the foot brake on on mine is is a very nice convenient feature Plus, like, especially when you're cutting big boards and you, you need to, you, I don't have an outfeed table for my bandsaw. And so you're in this awkward position where you have your arms around the blade trying to hold this log. And then you got to try to figure out how to turn the saw off. And the, that foot switch is really nice and convenient. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, we have a bunch of battery power tools that are brushless and the spin down time on them is nothing. I mean, you let go of the button and it's done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't spin anymore. And I know that doesn't translate up to something like a bandsaw necessarily, but <clears throat> um, getting rid of that spin down is a really nice feature. And it's a little surprising on those battery power tools. Like I've got a circular saw. It's one of the DeWalt's that's uh, that's brushless. And it's weird because you expect that thing to still make that like about that long, you know, but like you let go and it's silent. Yeah, and you're always like, "Wait, what? What just <laughs> happened?" Here? Um, I think like I I understand the idea for having those like automated tool adjustments and stuff like that, but there are so many reasons why that would be a bad idea to have to be able to turn tools on and off with like Face ID and <laughs> you know like putting I'm your not. chin up or down to like have it. Oh man, but I do think I do think adjustment of those tools is one is like a pain point for me and there's probably a really simple solution for this i've never even thought about it until right this very second but like uh on my bandsaw adjusting the guide down or the the cover down is there's two things you have to turn right so you have to unlock it and then you have to turn the dial to move it down and lock it into place like that seems really silly like why do i have to hold one thing in a position, turn another thing, and then tighten the first one just to get it to move down to where I want it to be. And then uh, changing the angle of the table, terrible, absolutely terrible. There's two big crazy hand screws that you can barely get to from underneath, and you have to adjust the table with no tension on it, get it to the angle you want somehow, hold it at that angle, and then tighten, get back underneath and tighten those two things. And there's probably a quick release style adjustment or, you know, like variable tension to where you can loosen it enough to where it'll stay where you put it and mm-hmm. then like get it there and then like just kind of like cam lock it in place. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, that would make a pretty big difference. Now, like with the table saw, the adjustment is all it, like gravity is not affecting the adjustments like it does on a bandsaw. The gravity is, seems to be the problem on the bandsaw because everything just wants to flop and fall and so you have to you have to counteract that while tightening uh, that seems to be the biggest one for me mm-hmm. i can think of another tool that has that kind of a problem but 
You know what? I, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about hand tools, and I, David Welder can attest to this because I would always complain and moan about this. Every every corded tool, which lately we don't use too many corded tools, but every corded tool has the cord coming directly behind out of the tool behind it, as, with the assumption being that you're going to use the tool and it's going to be dragging. But what it does is it drags, just what they want it to do. And what happens when something drags? It holds you back. So. I always said if I ever had the the opportunity to, to make a line of tools, if they were corded, the cord would come directly out of the top, because this way you can decide which way you want. If you're gonna, if you're pushing towards something, you could flop the tool or the corded in front of you, so that as you push, you're alleviating any tension. You're not pulling it and creating tension. The cord always gets caught in the cut you're making, or under your foot, or under the edge of the table, or under the edge of the material in the table. So that's something I even actually forced the cord up the handle, zip-tied it to the point where the, where the cord comes out of the top like a ponytail, like an Ariana Grande ponytail on the top of the tool so that it's you could decide where you want the cord to lay. It doesn't always have to come from behind the tool. So, Or if you're in a shop with a relatively low ceiling, you could hang a, a wire up. So say you're using a, the router all day long for production. You don't want that cord to constantly getting caught under the edge of the material because the router cord comes out and faces down at the table because of the weight of it. If you could have it come directly straight up, you could put a little bungee cord to keep the cord completely out of your way all day long while you're working. A router is a tool that is not battery operated unless it's a trim router. But if you're going to be doing production on a router all day long or a lot of heavy work or a lot of pattern cutting with a router, you want it to be corded and you want that cord to be out of your way. So the cord should come out of the top of the machine. Or in a way that it comes out so that, let's say, imagine we always flip a router over so the router could have like three-legged stool on the top, but between that three-legged stool, the cord could come up and out of the top of the machine. I don't know. Or it's on a swivel yep. thing so that it could either go up or it can go sideways. I don't know. Um, speaking of routers, well, actually two things. So one with the cord, I'm totally with you. We have one um, corded circular saw that I use with like the track. So if I'm cutting across a piece of plywood, you know, you lay the track down and then you you run the saw all the way across. And about an inch and a half before you get to the other side of the full sheet of plywood, the cord catches on the leading sheet, uh, leading edge. Because the cord is only 40 inches long. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's because the, the cord has the little traditional shape to it. And all you would have to do is mold that plastic for that cord end into... So it didn't have a little lip, and then it would just pop over the edge of the table. <laughs> yep. I guess that's that. Maybe that's just a, a crazy situation that they didn't foresee. But we well, you know, know why I they don't foresee it because just... they don't test tools as well as they should. Well, that's true. I, uh, um, I I I have I just came up with something for the router, but quickly I want to discuss. Uh, Festool has their dust hoses for. The, like your palm sander or random orbit sander and they have a cloth on the outside so it doesn't so the little ridges don't catch on your bench and pull, oh yeah pull oh. back on it and that's a that's a nice feature you could anybody could modify any hose to do that so which yeah. i think is a great feature but speaking of the router i would buy into a like a quick change bit system because <laughs> I was, that was what I was gonna say. So, so <laughs> if, if totally it, what I was like, gonna say. you could have, you could remove the collet, put on the quick change on there, and even if only one company made those, I would buy those bits because I yep. use the same bits over and over again, round over and chamfer bits, and then you could put the regular collet back I got on it. if you wanted. I okay? got it. Mm-hmm. I got it. If 
a router had a drawbar just like a like the the way a bridge port works there's a drawbar that pulls it up and the tormax have you know every mill has it it's a drawbar system if the router had a drawbar system it would make it a lot easier to get at the wrench because then all you have to do is push the button to lock the spindle and then wrench it directly from the opposite side but in my case that's exactly where the cord would be coming out so we'd have to figure out <laughs> or well, I, or yeah, if, I was you, gonna if say... you could I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, you'd have to use a wrench because then that would be spinning. You'd have to have it would have to be subservice because that would be the spindle exposed in the back. It could be just under a little door, but getting at it with like a socket type wrench would be a lot easier than trying to get in there and turn the router half turns. Whenever I change the router bit, I immediately just remove the pedestal from the the motor so that I have a free 180, 360 degrees with the head. Yeah, it's such a pain to get in there and change those with like the tiny little slot that they give you and the wrench and the bit has to be at the at the correct height to be able to reach that little nut with the wrench. Um, I was thinking, so after I went to Jocko's shop, he had a keyless chuck on his drill press. And I don't know why. I mean, I knew those existed, but I'd never actually used one. But as soon as I like hand turned a chuck, to change a bit on a drill press, I'm like, nope, that's that's going to happen from now on. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it is awesome, and they're not expensive. But if you had something like that for a router, to where you had a keyless, wrenchless chuck system that you could drop a bit in, and you know, obviously you'd have to be able to get your hands in there to be able to tighten it. But to be able to hand tighten that in with the same technology, I mean, a drill I, press, I, I guess the RPMs even... are different, but you know, it's still a spinning bit. I don't even see it that way. I see it as like there's a little lever and you flip the lever and the bit pops off because there's some sort of catch in the bottom of the bit. And then the bit comes out. Doesn't oh, yeah. matter. doesn't matter the height. Then you put in your other bit. You flip the lever and it's locked in place. Can't go anywhere. Can't come loose. It's a, it's a, It adds a safety feature to it. Yeah. I mean, I guess just like a, when you put a bit in an impact driver or whatever, it has that little cool. call at the end of it. It has that little cutout, which mm-hmm. fits, gets locked into mm-hmm. the thing. And even like uh, that would have you, to be like hyper machined, like super tight because of all the the torque on that bit. But it would be worth the cost, I guess. But even like flipping that lever, also um, there's a mechanism that makes the bit pop up too. So it's oh yeah, uh, so it's all one beautiful mechanical movement. Speaking of routers, uh, the router in a router table. I wish there was some sort of auto height, like like when you use a CNC, you have the I don't, Bob. Tell me what it's called. That little Z clear, uh, zero clearance. Oh yeah, like the like a touch plate. A touch plate kind of thing. So yeah. you could put in your bit in the router table. You have a touch plate. It automatically comes up, finds it's zero, and then you could say, "I want to do a quarter inch rabbit or whatever," and then it quickly yeah. moves up to that. That, that seems that seems totally doable. I like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. because if you if you have the the drive on the on the table on the lifting, if that's motorized, then it's just feeding in we, coordinates at that point. This podcast is worth millions of dollars. This episode right here. <laughs> <laughs> Tool companies, are you listening? Because no, I'm giving like, it away. <laughs> I would like a uh, I would like a simpler way to adjust the the cut height of a chop saw. They have that little lever, which I recently showcased in a video, the lever that flips out so you could do dados on the chop saw. If, if that was a little bit, if they paid a little bit more close attention to that, to that adjustability, that's one thing. And then another thing that came to me while we were talking is uh, so many times I walk up to my 
my saw stop and I go to stick a piece of wood through and I, it doesn't go through. And I'm like, what's going on? It's, it's just, just barely cutting through to the veneer and it's hitting the riving knife. Uh, so yeah. yes. I, I just don't have it high yes. enough, but I didn't see it all because of that. The, the, the guard is there and you can't really notice. Like I didn't realize the blade wasn't high enough. They try to fix that with this thing that comes out and touches the wood so that if you can't pass under that thing, that is the, like the far away guide for the height of the blade. But if there was a more explicit way to show the height of the blade, maybe there's like a laser beam on the, on the fence or there is. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's so minor. But what I would, the reason I'm bringing this up is I'd like to be able to walk up to the table saw, step on a pedal and have it auto raise up because I'm holding a sheet of plywood in my hand. I am a different type of woodworker. I'm very spontaneous. I'm like, you know what I need? I need to make a, I need to make quickly make a thing for my welding table. I, I need to quickly do this. I need to quickly do that. And so there's many times where I just immediately just turn on a saw and I'm like, oh, I didn't even check any of the guides or anything or the height adjustable. So if there was a way to just walk up and step on a pedal or like with my knee, like when you sit under a sewing machine, there's, you use your knee left and right for a lot of things. A table saw could have a knee switch to raise and lower the blade while your hands are holding material. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. So same same thing with the auto height for the, the router. I would like an auto movement of the table saw fence. Because oh, that exists. Times, that exists. A couple of guys have done that on YouTube. Ah, uh, because yeah. the, the the issue that I have is not it's this isn't even a lazy thing. All my other things are like lazy. I don't like tool setup. But a lot of <laughs> times when you're cutting thing. something under a half inch, it's hard to measure with the tape measure because of the little the little thing yep. on the end of the you can't see a half inch. You can't see quarter yeah, of an inch. You got to break. So, you gotta oh, break I, I got to go grab the. Yeah, I, I, I got to go grab the steel ruler so I could do this because I don't trust the tape on the on the fence itself. I measure everything with the tape measure. And so little things like that, I would love to be able to put into memory saying like every time I make these table legs, it automatically puts the fence at this particular thing. So I could do a re- repeated cut, almost like a CNC, but a table saw. It's, it'll set mm. the blade height for me, you know, things like that. Um, I, in a dream world, I know this isn't, this isn't possible. It's possible, but it's, it's not feasible is, uh, kind of like a carousel, carousel, uh, blade change thing. Uh, almost <laughs> like a, like a jukebox where like, okay, now I need my, my joinery blade, my f- flat bottom blade. And it just bloop, changes the bait. Now I need the, uh, the data <laughs> blade cool. bloop, bloop, and, it, and it widens and. <laughs> that's to what whatever I, I need. Yeah. That's I just, why you need I seven hate, table saws. I hate removing that throw plate and getting in there and changing the blade. And I, I love the when the. Uh, I drop the arbor nut in there. I love when the, the arbor nut falls in there every time. It's oh the my best. goodness. <laughs> Have you ever had it fall in there, but it fell perfectly? So it goes into the dust collection hose and then. Yep. Sure <laughs> <Man>. have. <laughs> yep. Every time. Yeah. I was actually thinking earlier about being able to adjust the blade or like change the type of blade or have an adjustable dado blade that's on that you would. And they have those. I mean, I don't think they're quality enough to use, but they have a dado blade that is two pieces with a, an offset, like a one of them is leaning. So when you twist the two blades against each other, it changes the thickness of the blade. Uh, they, made, yeah. they made those. Uh, You've seen those, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. And they're, I would never use one, I that's don't think. But super having dangerous. that idea you know to be able to do it outside of the saw would be awesome and i don't have any clue how you would do that but 
yeah, it'd be pretty cool to be able to swap out, you know, to have like a plastic blade and a thin kerf and just a few different ones that you could just kind of pop into place. Maybe that's just like your router thing where you push a button and the blade shoots out. It just like pops up and then, and then, and then like toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like toast. You just got to grab it. So you got to put on your chainmail gloves. That's good. Shoots a blade up and you got to grab yeah. it in the air. Or it just sticks it in the ceiling. Maybe that's where you store them in the ceiling right above the saw. So it shoots them straight up. They stick in the wooden ceiling, assuming you have wood up there. Huh? I have a drop ceiling. So, like, you know, you throw a pencil up there and it sticks. So <laughs> I'm already Have set you up. tried a saw blade? Not yet, <laughs> but as soon that. as this podcast is over with. You know, you just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of welding, welding is my relationship with Lincoln over the years have given them so many good ideas that they just ignore because these companies are so like set in their ways and to actually come up with, have them make running changes is like nearly impossible. And this is a stupid running change that I always thought of. And I, I, I I might've put it, I don't know if I put it in my tips, tricks video. I can't remember. But if you, you know, you guys are both now welding and every time you try and collect your cables up, the one thing, what is the one thing that gets hooked on every single thing in the room? Can you guys? The the ground clamp. The ground clamp. It gets hooked on everything. It's like a grappling hook. It's designed to intentionally get hooked on every table leg, every other thing. So what I do is, and, and the way they're made, it's basically a big squeeze clamp. And the cable goes through a hole in the handle and then bolts to something inside the handle or on the outside of the handle. So it's basically like a squeeze clamp with a rope on one of the A-frames, one of the A-sides. I unbolt it, take all the cable out, and then bolt it freely so it's at the apex of the A. Mm. It's no longer constricted through the handle. So that when you're wrapping back up, you're pulling it. You're pulling the A-shape from the tip. (laughs) That's, That's brilliant. Thank you. Because so <laughs> it's a fish something... hook. It's basically a fish hook that you're just dragging across the ground. Yeah. Catching and another, an, another hmm. solve to that same problem, which is something I did before that I came up with the simpler version, is you take the A-frame, and now you have one that's on the cable, and one is not on a cable. So it's, it's the A-shape, and you have a cable connected to one of the legs of the A. If you take a zip tie, and you black tape it to the handle and you let it go kind of loosely to the cable, and you black tape it to the cable. Now, anytime you drag it, the zip tie, the flat zip tie is going to keep it from wanting to hook on anything. Mm. So you're basically making it like a loose football shape. Mm-hmm. So as you drag mm-hmm. drag it up, it'll work. It works every time. So if you get like a big, thick piece of... So you could even cut a piece out of like a plastic liter bottle, for instance, or mm-hmm. like a like one of those thick, zip ties like a half inch wide fat zip tie it's a nice big piece of polypropylene and you tape it to the cable and you tape it to the cable and to the other side of the a so this way you don't have to flip your clamp around but you have it you you, you've you've eliminated the ability for that to hook on anything makes sense it's the same concept as a fishing Hmm. lure because sometimes they have like the the little plastic things that kind of covers the hook so it doesn't get caught on debris or whatever's in the bottom of the river or pond right yeah yeah beautiful so Hmm. But no one will ever I listen to me. I just keep mine clamped to the table, so I don't ever have to wind that up. Uh, yeah, I don't have a table, so I'm, I, I I understand the pain because I'm <clears throat> and the, constantly I'm constantly, yeah. I mean, I'm doing bigger projects, too, so I'm dragging my stuff everywhere. I have, like, 50 welders yeah. at this point, and every ground clamp is hooked on something nearby the welder. Hmm. Every one of them. Hmm. So I can't think of any uh, metalworking tools that I would need to adjust. I don't think I have enough experience there to have a frustration yet, you know. Uh, 
the uh the angle grinder that that winds down way too long i feel i always feel like i'm going i and i actually just cut a cord uh, an extension cord because yeah. it, i set it on the table and it brushed up against this extension cord so it's um, so annoying i don't know why like i always just lay it flat on its back and the back should be flatter so that it could stay on its flat on its back yeah. or it should just have three points so that when you put it back on its back the three points maybe two underneath the head and then one at the tail will keep it from grind you know if it, if those points even had little rubber dots on them gel dots you could put it on it and it won't run away you know what i mean you can let it wind down on the hot floor. glue yeah Hugglu, there you go. Yeah, but like three Solve. wide enough dots so that you know the centrifugal force will keep it in place. Yeah. <clears throat> Tools. Um, I cut a little next to my welding table. I cut a slot in a shelf, so there's a little notch for each one of the angle grinders. So I have three, and I keep you know different discs on different ones. And I'm not always good about doing this, but part of the reason I cut those was so that they had a place to hang underneath the little uh, arm. So when you, even before they're done spinning down, you can set it in that slot. The disc is up, not going to touch anything. You know, they're ready to grab the next one, but you also don't have to worry about it, like cutting anything or laying on top of anything. So maybe it's a storage thing that would help. But I think also you're talking about them spinning down. There are brushless uh, grinders. I've never used one. I don't know if they're any good, but that may have the quicker cutoff for the spin down too i'm not really sure you know what i'm i'm kind of fantasizing about um you know we, we all know what knolling is right i mean adam savage just talked about it enough knolling means keeping your stuff organized in size order or whatever order it's a tom Sachs thing look it up if you don't know what it is but if you had a set of wrenches and a board that the wrenches came on that you could every time you're like working on a motorcycle for instance you could always like pick a wrench up and just put it back down and it falls right into that spot if you drop it near that spot, magnetically it falls into that spot. So you could have like a like a pla- like a like a tray with various tools that are always on that tray in an old fashion that always stay on that tray in that way, and that could be a magnetic thing. Or if you could throw all the tools on that tray when you're done working on your motorcycle and you ping them over to the table and then they just go and they all know as like a like a coin sorter for for tools for wrenches. But if there was some sort of like if you could do like a Frank Hallworth. Uh, animation and all the tools just find their order. That would be yeah. I wonder if you could do a coin sorter for um for like a, a ratchet head, you know, for like all the different sizes. If you oh, could yeah. use that same mechanism as uh, a coin sorter, but for those, mm-hmm. that would be fun. But I guess that every one of those is different. Whereas a coin, you have a you know a limited number of sizes, but there's a whole bunch of each size. So I guess maybe that's not the same thing. Hmm. Mm. That, would, that would be an interesting and very useless experiment to try to figure that out. <laughs> One of the things that I'm doing right. off camera this week is I just uh, I I want I bought a, a bunch of tools that are just for go karting. That way, I'm not pulling in sockets and wrenches from from the shop. And the the case that all the uh, the sockets come in way too big doesn't fit into the the toolbox that I bought. So. Right now, they're just kind of flopping all over inside the toolbox drawer. But I'm going to CNC a little little home for for each socket. But then, then I'm also going to color coat the ones that I'm constantly using, so it's visually yeah. like right right there. Yeah, I did that with the the few sizes uh, for sockets on my truck that I use all the time because there's there's like two or three of them that 
you know, every body panel uses this one. And 10 millimeter and a 12 millimeter. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Everything so, made in, everything made in metric those. with metric standard is always a 10 millimeter. Like, like I'm working on a Honda, the Honda motorcycle that I bought recently. Every single nut and bolt on it is starts out as a 10 millimeter. Yep. But that's a good thing to color coat. That's pretty handy. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we're an hour in. You guys got any more? Um, well, real quick, the one, th- and I yep. made this modification, although it's not working right now, is I hate changing the height of my drill press table. That's always a big thing. So I motorized yeah. it with a with a switch, just a mm-hmm. just a, a little motor that attaches right to the, the the back pole, and now you can hit a switch to go up and down. And it's a yeah. the um, version one worked, but we it wasn't it wasn't perfect, and so we got a different motor that's um, it's not variable speed, but it's the perfect speed for it. And then we also changed the, uh, instead of having a switch where you flip up, off, and down, it's a momentary switch. So you hold it to go up and you hold it to go down, which is kind of a safety feature so you mm-hmm. don't ruin the piece or your bit or whatever. So um, it's currently not working because we bought new parts and we just haven't had a chance to swap it out. But I hate moving the drill press table up and down. It's such a pain. Yeah. So you bust Especially your on a stand-up. Yeah. You bust your knuckles on the on the on the back there. And plus if you have any kind of drill pass table fence system set up that handles all all of a sudden now you can't reach it and everything is is in the way. Oh yeah. I um twice this week so I have an old um drill press in the metal working area. It's like an old delta that I got at a an estate sale really cheap. And so I just used it over there. And I've never really had any problems with it, but I noticed that the spindle is like has a wobble to it a couple days ago, which I mean that's bad, and that makes it to where like it's wobbles. almost unusable, you know. Wobble is yeah. bad. Wobble is bad. <laughs> wobble is bad. So that was I was like, oh man, maybe I should get, you know, I should start looking for a decently powered but small, <clears throat> excuse me, drill press to have in the metalworking, and then working on this thing I've been doing this last week twice on my big grizzly in the woodworking section. I've not had enough clearance to drill down into the thing that I wanted to drill down into. And I'm like, oh, man. But it's a pretty good excuse to move that one to the metalworking and then get a floor, you know, like a full-length drill press, which I've never had any need for, and I've never even thought about getting before. But after two times in a couple of days being like, oh, I don't have enough, you know, throat here. I need more space. So I may end up doing that. But it would be – I don't know how you would modify um, a drill press to have that more – you know, is it a bench? Is it a bench just... top? Yeah. You yeah. put it on a corner, so then when you rotate it off the table, you could put anything underneath it. I don't think the head rotates on mine. They should. I, I mean, I mean, most most will either it, they'll be either rotational at the foot or at the head. So you might be able to rotate the mm-hmm. whole thing on one or the other. And this way, if you're on a corner, you could be on your traditional base, or you turn it, and now you have the whole floor as your. You'd obviously need to make something that would be able to. Yeah, it doesn't rotate. I just remove the the table from it completely and make your own that's adjustable that sits off the floor. Yeah, I d- I did think about after the fact that <clears throat> I ended up coming up with a way around it, so it wasn't a huge deal. But I did think about the fact that my table that's a part of the drill press could probably just be swung out of the way to give me that extra like couple inches that I needed to get this thing done. But at the time, I was like, well, I'll just move on and figure out another way to do it. And I did it. So 
Probably don't actually need the new tool, but, you know, <laughs> new <laughs> tools are fun, so we'll see. Um, all right, unless you guys have anything else, let's thank our Patreon supporters. Um, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, mm-hmm. Maker and Training, Fun mm-hmm. Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, mm-hmm. Caleb Harris, you can make this too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. Um they're, they're our top supporters, but there's a bunch of people over there that help us out and make the show possible. Big thanks to everybody over there and everybody at any level. No matter how much you give, you get the after show, which is more of us talking often secret things. Um, oh, and I wanted to thank, I don't want to say his name, but there was a, a patron we have that had to change his subscription recently. He sent us a really nice note that I don't think I've forwarded to you guys yet. But I uh, really appreciate that people care enough to uh, support the show and then that they also which you know I don't expect but when people send us a message saying like I really want to continue to help but this you know I have to stop my support for a while or for whatever they care enough to like talk to us about that which is totally unnecessary but also really sweet so thank you to that guy and to other people who've done that in the past um, don't sweat it though we're just yeah. we're grateful but don't yeah. worry about it that's not at all a big deal if you want to help out the show <clears throat> excuse me, go to patreon.com slash making it. Also, we've talked about this in the past. Tell somebody about the show. If you think somebody would enjoy hearing us talk about random stuff like this, mm. then, then like, tell them to listen. Mm. 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 Yeah. Fun stuff. All too. right. Um, I, uh, uh, what? I have somebody, but I also want to say... Uh, Quinn, Quinn was at the uh, Good of the Land Fest, Blondie Hack, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you to her, and we had a good time learning how to cast from Clark. Clark, uh, uh, I want to say Clark's full name. I want to give me Clark a Griswold. Clark, Windy Hill Foundry on Instagram. Uh, Clark uh, was was a, a big part of of what was going on there. Windy Hill Foundry, and his Instagram is Clark Easterling sixty seven on Instagram, and uh, you'll see some of the stuff that uh, we would do in there. Um, oh, and I, I want to thank uh, Michael Alm uh, for making a really beautiful picture of Spike. I never really announced it, only because so many kids listen, but we lost Spike in February last year. It's been a long time. Uh, so Spike is no longer with us, for those of you that don't officially know. But Mike Alm made a, a beautiful frame in a traditional federal style. Is that like federal style where you have those curly cues? It looks like it looks like a mini, uh, um, uh, like an antique chest of drawers, but it's a frame. And he did an actual beautiful oil painting of of Spike, and it's in there. And oh, wow. so he gave that to me at the at the the maker camp that we did. He came up and hung out and actually helped out quite a bit in the shop in the few days leading up to uh, leading after leading not up to but after the the Catskill maker camp. So check out Mike's video. Of Spike. He's featured in the latest episode or in the latest uh, um, Make Magazine. What do they call them? Oh, cool. Episodes? The issues? Issue. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Wait, who's yeah. featured? Mike. Mike. Michael Alm. Mike. Michael Alm is is in there. Yeah, his yeah. his um animal wood sculptures. Oh yeah, they're unbelievable. The, the, oh they're yeah, just crazy beautiful. They are so cool. Awesome. All right, David, what you got? Uh, I scrambled and I found something that I recently watched. This is a channel called JSK Kobu. I, sorry, don't 
I'm terrible with reading and things like <laughs> that and talking, reading and talking. Those are things I'm not real good at. Um, but uh, a really cool take on making a doll maker and a, a little bit different than other ones that I've seen. And just all the stuff on this channel is there's, there's a lot of jigs, but they are beautiful jigs. And just he makes his own tools and just really cool stuff. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, mine is absolutely totally different. Um, so, do you guys know Matt Whitman? Do you know who he is? He does um, No Dumb Questions with Destin, which is an excellent podcast with everybody should go listen to. Very, very good podcast. Well, he was in town recently, a couple weeks ago. He came through um, and we got to hang out a little bit. And he has made some like short films in the past. And so, he wanted to show. Uh, show me one of them and we watched it not with me not really knowing like what I was in for like what I didn't know if it was like a serious thing or like a joke thing or how much of a joke thing it was Matt and I get along really well we have very similar uh, sense of humor I guess and I laughed almost nonstop through this like 20 minute short film that he made called The Drug Stopper <laughs> and you should watch it because it was it's just really funny. Um, it's so over the top and like intentionally over the top and intentionally like, you know, making fun of like 80s action movies and stuff. It's it's pretty good. And he was telling me I while we were watching it, he was like, oh, yeah, that's like filmed at my buddy's church. And all those like terrorists in that shot are all just people from Sunday school and <laughs> all this all these funny little you know, like behind the scenes kind of things that just made it even funnier to watch. But you'll get a kick out of it, probably. And if not, you can blame Matt. Don't blame me. Uh, <laughs> it's called the Drug Stopper. But also, I'll put a link to No Dumb Questions. Uh, yeah, No Dumb Questions because it's it really is a good good podcast. That you I just uh, subscribed. I'm, I'm anxious to hear it. I'm just, I'm so anxious. I'm listening in my other ear right now. It's good. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. You've been on Instagram the whole time. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Selling <like> Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys got anything else? Uh, oh, wait, look at this picture on Instagram. Oh, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank and you. I'll see you next time. Love you. Love you. Love Instagram. I love Bye. Instagram. I love Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>